ทัสสะกวาโทอะระหะโทสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนะโมทัสสะสะกวาโทอะระหะโทสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนะโมทัสสะสะกวาโทอะระหะโทสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะอาภารุทาเดสังอมทัสสะทาวราเยสุรวันทาบามุญญันทุสทัPosition. It's 
this uh, common humanity that is uh, exemplified in this effort to to say live in a communal way uh, and, and living in a way that we are supporting each other's spiritual aspirations. So this is a challenge of the life of a of a samana or a mantra nun at this time. We find it even difficult to live with our own cultural group or age group or between the, the tensions that that uh, one feels between just the masculine and the feminine or the different age, different generations or different classes, different races, uh, different ethnic groups. And you can see so much of the problems of the world, the political and social economic problems, uh, just the endless feelings of attachment and identity to ethnic uh, background or religious preferences class of race and these, these of course lead to uh, to kind of violent actions and resentments and bitterness that uh, that's handed on from one generation to the next it's trying to solve the problems of Northern Ireland it's like a hopeless, totally hopeless situation yet it's not a between Catholics and Protestants and, and just uh, racially the same, ethnically the same, but with different religious identities. And they're both Christian. And it's that kind of, you see, you know, because the, the aim is to, you know, they're not trying to really deal with, the, with what the problem really is, but trying to kind of endlessly compromise and, and kind of maneuver politically maneuver, causing endless uh, sense of distrust and anxiety over powers struggling, positions and, and that, which is the, what the world is about. The world is an endless experience of tension and stress. But being born uh, in the human realm, this realm that we're living in, planet Earth, human form, we're constantly under a state of tension. Things, of the condition of our mind, is the needs, the instinctual needs of our bodies, and and the, the basic uh, <coughs> instinctual instinctual energy operating through it. Then we get programmed into different ethnic, class, racial, gender identities that we hold to and we, we operate and, and interpret our life experience from those kind of perceptions. So ignorance is the, is the basic cause of suffering. This is the, this is the, the Buddha's statement. Ignorance of the truth or the Dhamma or the way things really are. And so in meditation we're contemplating the way it really is. Not, not from a position that we're being told how it is. We're not, there's no kind of Buddhist uh, statement, doctrinal statement about what you have to believe in. But it's uh, this, the emphasis on mindfulness and awareness in which you're, you're developing a contemplative, reflective capacity to observe this the way it is uh, in terms of experience here and now. 
So usually the, the, the basic dilemma, the basic uh, delusion of the mind is, is the identity of a self with the body and with the uh, conditioning of the mind. The, 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 it is the personality view, sakaya ditti or the mana ditti, the sense of me and mine and what I am and as, a, as a human form, as a, as a physical being, as, a, as identified with the gender of this body, with it, where it was born, the family it was born into, the class, race, ethnic identities that come from that birth and that uh, conditioning, that kind of education. And so the, the self, the sakyaditi, is always based on this, this identity attachment to the five khandas of, of the body, the feeling, perceptions, mental formation, consciousness. And this identity is conditioned into us that, so that we, we oftentimes never question it. We operate always from the sense of this is happening to me as a personality. Uh, and so that it, we, everything is, is interpreted in a highly personal way. So even our basic instincts, the survival instincts, are in, in modern human beings, it tends to be a very personal experience, like sexual desire, things like that, are given incredible kind of high-powered sense of myself and, and uh, me, it's mine, it's my problem, or just basic survival and hunger for food. You can see people often have interpreting hunger for food is kind of a, a greed, personal greed. The way that just the, the basic needs and functions of a human form uh, that, are, that are based on survival instinct on that level of, of, of uh, say, just the being born as a, as a sensual form on this planet is interpreted from this position, me and mine, I am this. So, the way to, to uh, be free from this delusion is to contemplate it, to, uh, to look at it, to recognize it, to understand it, to witness it, to feel it, to know it. It's, it's, uh, because the, the sense of myself as a perception, as an identity, with the five khandas is something one can observe. You can you can actually notice or pay attention to mindfulness and awareness. You actually can can uh, observe as an object that that feeling, that mood, that that attitude of me and mine. I have this body. I have these conditions. The Buddha emphasized mindfulness uh, as a way to liberate us. mindfulness is the way to the deathless. And, and in Buddhism, this is a quite, uh, you know, this is, this is a kind of the unique uh, emphasis that the Buddha made, uh, mindfulness, uh, is, is something that I myself didn't really understand before I started practicing meditation. Because, it's, in, say, in my 
cultural background, my upbringing. It wasn't even though I certainly was mindful in certain situations. It was never a perception that one used. I never used the word mindful really until I started becoming interested in Buddhism. And I remember when I started meditating in Thailand, even before becoming a monk, that they talk about mindfulness and concentration. I didn't know the difference at all. I didn't understand how my mind worked. It is, uh, mindfulness is a concentration, samadhi, sati, samadhi. These were, these were the kind of poly terms and then English translations, mindfulness and concentration. And I, I really didn't know uh, what was concentration, what was mindfulness until I started practicing meditation, when I started observing. So that uh, reflecting on what, what I was actually doing, what, what, I was, what, what things were influencing me, what kind of attachments, what kind of perceptions were, uh, I, that I was attached to, I began to observe. So I found that, you know, just trying to get samadhi was, was one thing, trying to to kind of blot out experience into trying to develop a very uh, kind of refined uh, sense of tranquility. Uh, because when I first became a monk, what I really wanted was, was a kind of tranquility. My mind was very confused and uh, kind of obsessed with endless thoughts. And I just wanted to just, I wanted to stop thinking and uh, not have this endless kind of proliferation and chatter going on all the time in my mind. So the idea of just using my willpower to shut my mind off was how I first, you know, the first kind of experience of meditation was me, uh, this personality, uh, trying to make my mind stop thinking through willfully kind of trying to force it to stop and, uh, and, and it just seemed totally hopeless experience. <coughs> As I understood, I could only, even, even though on one level I, I kind of related to Buddhism and you know, intuitively I kind of resonated with it from the beginning, but the condition of my mind still was very un-Buddhist. It was still very much based on a, a very strong sense of dualism, of, of identity with, with, with opposites, with, with, with perception, with uh, qualities. And so all I knew how to do at that, when I first started, was use willpower, just kind of make myself do something, like follow the breath as an act of will, or, or and then, then the, the desire to, to stop this, uh, this perpetual rubloki, this incredible chattering that was going on. Some just so, we felt such a, a uh, kind of hopelessness that the mind, all I knew how to do was think, think, think. Then as the practice of meditation began, as I began to develop it, and I understood began to see what concentration is. And I could appreciate the experience of mindfulness. Because it's very natural. 
state to be. To be mindful is, is natural, it's not a created state. We're not, like concentration can be a creation of the mind. You're kind of training it to focus and sustain on an object. But mindfulness is, is, a, is a natural uh, function. And we'd all be dead if we were, if we were not mindful. Because mindfulness is, is kind of ordinary uh, to this to this human state. But using but it it is a in the Western world it's never emphasized. It's, uh, it's never given really much of a, an important place. We tend to say my my cultural background is very much based on grasping ideas, ideals, what should should be in terms of what's the best, what's good what's right, uh, how I should be, and how the world should be, how everybody else should be, and how it shouldn't be. You know, that can be culturally programmed to see the world through, through what was wrong with it, mainly, because it didn't seem like anything ever really is what it should be. Uh, it always seemed like something in the future, the golden age, or the something that awaits you when you die and then you then it hopefully then it everything will be what it should be. Mindfulness then is a kind of like the stepping out of this, this polarization, this duality. Not a rejection of it, but a getting a perspective on it. So that one one is observing being the, the, the mind open, they would mind as you're in a, in a receptive state by paying attention, by just in the present moment, just paying attention, being aware, listening. And that, that state of awareness, listening, attentiveness in the present is, is where, where we get this, this uh, where the uh, wisdom can operate. Wisdom can arise and, and direct us when we open the mind and put it in a receptive state in the present. So, where before I used to think one had to acquire wisdom, uh, the idea that wisdom was something I didn't have and that I had to get it through all kinds of developing the mind and through studies and all kinds of attainments and it seemed like something remote and, and far away and a, and a goal that one hopefully would reach in the future. And then the, the Buddhist meditation is based on sati and panya in the present, the mindless wisdom here and now rather than uh, doing something now in order to acquire or gain wisdom in the future. The teaching of the Four Noble Truths, then, is the is kind of uh, essential teaching that the Buddha established as his first sermon. And it's, uh, and it's interesting, like I've, I've said, he's uh, given this reference before, after his uh, enlightenment. Uh, he's, he's, uh, his first uh, kind of thought was, this is what I have seen, what I have learned, this enlightenment 
it, it is impossible to teach to anyone else. It's just uh, beyond hope that anyone could possibly understand it. And so then the Brahma Sampati the God came and said, please, uh, the well, there are those with only a little dust in their eyes. Now this is a statement made, uh, that even the Buddha, uh, when first uh, realizing the truth of the way it is, his, uh, his first reaction was, uh, you know, there's, there's no words for this. It's beyond words. It's, you can't convey it. And how can you, you know, how can you teach such, you know, this realization is based on on, on reality, on realization, on this openness, rather than on uh, thinking, thought, uh, perception. So, then the, the uh, Brahmasampati is a kind of, is a symbolic form of uh, that in the, 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 the wisdom uh, in the universe, the, the divine, the, the, uh, that which uh, encourages us to toward enlightenment. So, so the Buddha then left the, uh, uh, went to, on his way to seek his uh, previous colleagues who deserted him. And he met another ascetic who admired his kind of uh, aura and radiant qualities and asked him, what is it that you've learned? And he said, I am the all-enlightened one. So then, uh, then the ascetic looked at him in utter dismay didn't believe it, went away. And I often wonder when, when that story is told, why did the Buddha, want, you know, if he's so wise, why did he say that? Obviously, the man wasn't ready for such a thing. And it sounds very conceited, and found the all enlightened one. And uh, because for us, the pronoun I is connected always with the ego, with the with a sakriyaditi sense of myself, as a body, as a personality, as a, as a kind of man or woman or race or whatever. So, so the, the, the pronoun in English, I, is a, is a very, you know, usually sounds very uh, arrogant and self-centered. Well, he said, I'm the only enlightened one. And I can understand if somebody said, and somebody, I've had several experiences where people come and say, I'm the only enlightened one, like, right? <laughs> the same reaction. <laughs> so when he met his, uh, his five colleagues uh, in the deer park, in uh, Madhurkatanawa, which is now uh, Saranath in uh, India. Uh, he, did, he said, uh, he gave the first sermon, which is, there is suffering. There are the causes, and there is the cessation, there is the way of non-suffering, for noble truth. But you can see that by the time he arrived in Benares, and after meeting the, the, the ascetic, obviously, that was not the way to teach, telling everyone, I'm the only one for the did. There is suffering, there are the causes. And this suffering, this dukkha, is, is, uh, is the common experience that all human beings have. They are the first noble truth. An Aryan truth is a truth about the most common 
experience that we, we all have, that every human being suffers. So, there's nothing spectacular or interesting or anything, there's nothing special about that, is suffering, it's so ordinary, so common, banal, it's just, uh, you know, this doesn't mean like great tragedy uh, in one's life, it means that the ordinary stuff of life, just the irritations, frustrations, uh, aggravations uh, that one has as a human being, living in a human body with sense organs and with things always impinging and impressing upon it for a lifetime. It's a, the, uh, too hot or too cold, hungry or too full, or, or getting old and the sickness and the pain and the loss and the frustrations of, of this state that we're in. The Buddha is pointing to this ordinary kind of human experience. And uh, then the, the, the teaching is to understand the suffering, to, to really, instead of just trying to get rid of it, trying to deny, blame it on somebody else or uh, get, run away from it, it is to understand it, to really turn to it, accept it, notice it, examine it. Uh, let it be fully conscious, let the suffering of your life be fully conscious. Not, not analyze and blame them on anything, but it's like this, like suffering is like this. That it's, it's an intuitive acceptance of, of the feeling of loss or grief or, or uh, despair or anguish or anger or grief, lust, doubt, worry, anxiety. It's the, the willingness to feel it, to let it be this way. Now that's quite a, in the, in the world of psychotherapy, you know, this is, it's easy to say this, but it's not really, it's hard to do. It's hard, really difficult to accept, to totally, completely accept anguish or despair, grief, pain, anxiety, worry, because we are basically programmed to resist trying to get rid of them. So there's a strong desire to get rid of pain get, and to, to get away from it. Get away from something. So the first noble truth is this kind of going against the, the whole momentum of this ignorance that conditions our, our daily life. Now what happens when you, instead of just trying to get away and, and get rid of and resist suffering, what happens when you really accept it? And that you have to find out. I, you know, I can tell you what happens to me. I don't know what happens to you. Do you want to know what happens to me? <laughs> and this, this acceptance of suffering uh, is 
is a, is a conditional. It has to be totally unconditional. Like I'm not going to uh, kind of accept and understand suffering in order that it'll go away. Because that's basically we're, we're lying to ourselves. We're, we're playing games, you know. Hunter's tomato said, you know, accept the suffering and it'll go away. See, I'm going to accept it. But basically, you're doing it in order to get rid of it. So it's like this, this willingness, unconditioned awareness and acceptance of something for what it is without any conditions, any deals made with it. This is very important because uh, we, we, we oftentimes, you know, in, in meditation, that we, we understand things intellectually and then on the emotional plane we, we feel, you know, we, we, we find it very difficult because we, we think we understand through the, through the word. And yet the actual experience is, uh, is, is not fully accepted. Like to say, fully accept unconditionally suffering in the present. Which is a way of relaxing with it, letting it be the way it is, letting, letting yourself be the way you are right now, the way the body is, the, the pain of it, or the heat of it, or the coldness of it, or the or the mood you're in, the, the state of mind you have to be in, rather than always trying to kind of make it into something better, to totally accept, not in, in, through a kind of uh, resignation to misery, it's not based on a negative uh, acceptance, a kind of resignation to, to it, but a, a positive, a kind of direct willingness to uh, accept something for what it is in the present. Whether it's a, a, a mood, an emotion, or a physical feeling, or your own conception of yourself or somebody else. It's the way it is. And then, then this, this contemplation of impermanence, all conditions are impermanent. So that we're, we're using this uh, characteristic of impermanence as a way of, of contemplating that the presence and the absence of, say, the, the mental states we're experiencing, the, the feeling, the Vedana, the Sanya, the Sankara of the present. Like intuitive awareness, then, is, is, a, is, is the receptive state in the present. It's totally, it, it's a, intuition is ability of the mind to accept the totality of the present. Without, it has no, it, it has not dividing anything into good or bad, right or wrong. What I want, what I don't want in the present. It's accepting the whole lot, the good, the bad. And then, whereas say, intellectually, when we start thinking, then we, then we get into division, into discrimination, into uh, this, uh, we can only have one thought, and thought moment, so we have to exclude. When we're caught in the discriminative, analytical function of our mind, then, it, then it's a very, uh, it, it, it goes towards division, towards discernment, towards uh, preferences, towards this dualism. So intuition is a, is a 
is the ability of the mind to open and receive the totality of presence the way it is now, which is not making value judgments, moral judgments, having preference, but accepting the whole lot. If that's what you're doing, then you're accepting your own uh, mind that's making judgments about yourself, and then you accept that, whatever. So we're not operating from, a, from an idea of intuitive awareness in which we're experiencing all this. Because if you start grasping that idea, you know, it's, 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 you get caught in, the, in, the, in the, the kind of inspiration of that idea. But the, but the reality of the present is not, not accepted. So intuitive awareness is not, it isn't discriminative. It isn't preferring whether bad, good, right, wrong, male, female, uh, feeling good, feeling horrid, whatever it is all. As it is, it's like this. So there's this, that, and in this intuitive moment, it's, it's also an experience of the deathless. Now, the, the Buddha emphasized that the, the way to the deathless, the way to realize and to know the deathless reality is through awareness. Because that's the, that's the, the gate, the, the door to the death. So that's my, my favorite line I usually recite up to the the Namotasa, the Aparutami Sangamatasa Kawara, the gates to the deathless are open. For those who, who are paying attention, listening, relax with that and trust, trust yourself in the, your ability to awaken in the present, to be just that pure state of awareness, receptive, intuitive awareness, which isn't coming from willpower, not like you, you, you are trying to get it, you're just relaxing and letting it be this way. It's a natural state, not a, not a created, refined uh, function of the mind. And in that state of awareness, then the, then the personality uh, that we've acquired as conditions, we can observe it. Like in, in, with most of us, we Western people, we've, we've become so kind of complicated in, in, you know, kind of brief gap between intellect and emotion and instinct. So we, we, we develop our intellect to the extent of, of, of an emotionally, we're not developed at all. You know, we get stuck with with very inadequate emotional reaction to, to life experience. So they, but in the state of awareness, then, they, and then we can, we can always make judgments about ourselves or others, right? Like, I have very immature emotions, right? I, you know, I have a lot of problems around authority, right? I have 
going difficulties about, uh, you know, I have a lot of resentments or uh, repressed uh, feelings or things like this. So that we, we tend to strongly identify and, and, and create a, a strong identity and make an issue about our emotional experiences, making, judging them in some way as being, you know, like saying, immature, immature emotions for a man my age. It's, it's disgusting, isn't it? Like me, I know, so I have a 63, Pritomir. Pritomir, 63. And a Buddhist monk for over 30 years. Uh, and you, and you, could you justify me having immature emotions? What if I started uh, throwing a temper tantrum right now? <laughs> You'd be so disillusioned, you know? right. and, and so, you know, and, well, I don't dare show immature emotions in an audience like this. Got to be a, you know, like my God, not to let these kind of dreadful and embarrassing kind of feelings I might be having. Where, you know, you want to do all the old meditation is a waste of time. <laughs> Being a monk was just, you know, absolutely didn't get you anywhere. That's the way you are. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that's the personality view, isn't it? That they, I am a 63-year-old Buddhist monk, 30 years in the order, Ajahn's made and all that. And and then what I should do, and then the emotions uh, that don't fit that that perception, you kind of you kind of hide and hide them. Hope nobody notices when you when you have them. But intuitive awareness is, is transcending that that whole judgment problem we have. It's not judging, not even saying immature emotions, you shouldn't have immature emotions. Uh, or it's, you know, that I'm somehow, you know, inadequate person because I still experience these immature feelings. 